Keep the smile and stay tuned on the radio dial with Sirius FM 105.7. Yes, I just got a 12 Central African time. If you heard that, Nazam and I mean, that guy, yeah, that Nasheed Atis was uh, brought from where? From uh, Pakistan by the late uh, Mufti Fayyaz Rahim. Uh, Rahimullah. Yeah, Mufti Fayyad brought him on a tour and Faisal Asmal took him all over the East Run, East, West, North, South. Yusuf was studying metric then and uh, yeah, he was also helping with the engineering and uh, Shane Sahaba, Allah, Allah, Mufti, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, Mufti Ibrahim Smith, he knew the whole, I don't know if he was on the tour, but I think whenever Mufti Fayyad Rahim, uh, Rahimullah went for the tour, he had to pull in, yeah, Mufti Ibrahim Smith and someone said, he's just your bodyguard. Hey. Yeah, Mufti Ibrahim Smith will tell you. He's joined us on his segment of Quickfire Q&A. Mufti Sahib, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And uh, tell me, how are you doing this fine, beautiful uh, Juma morning, uh, Mufti Sahib? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Shafatin Yusuf and mashallah, esteemed listeners. Yes, I wasn't told, but you know, I still remember vividly. And uh, we went a couple of places, and uh, that person, he drew so many, so many people uh, came to listen to him because of his melodious voice, gee. <laughs> Why are you making me laugh, eh? I know what else you're going to talk about, that, that will keep between you and I, yeah, <laughs> melodious <laughs> voice. <laughs> yeah, I even put him on many radios, so you remember that, Mufsi Prime said this Saturday. Hey, we had some top conversation. That is our files. One day we'll write the Mufsi and <laughs> <laughs> hey Allah keep us I mean I, Allah Allah Akbar bless you for that Bufti okay let's look at your questions uh, that are coming through this one says Assalamu Alaikum is there any specific fasting in uh, Rabiul Awal Mufti uh, Shifat you know that uh, the fasting is the fasting of every month and that is Rasulullah used to fast on a Monday and a Thursday and then also the white days so those are specific uh, sunnah fast that a person can fast as for fasting on the 12th of Rabiul Awal or any other day of Rabiul Awal, there is no specific reward and there's no specific hadith that mentions, authentic hadith that mentions uh, that a person, if he fasts a day in Rabiul Awal, that he will get a certain reward. You know, sometimes people send out fabrications, etc., uh, because of uh, of the month of Rabiul Awal, and uh, they think that by doing that, uh, they are professing their love for for Rasulullah again uh, we should be careful uh, who we listen to and what we see on social media there is absolutely no specific reward other than the rewards mentioned for fasting on a Monday and a Thursday and for fasting uh, during uh, the three white days G. What is the status of the street celebrations and uh, processions uh, Mufti Saab? So this is a global uh, phenomenon Shafat I see in many countries Yemen uh, you'll see it in some of the other Arab countries also, Pakistan. So people uh, go on street processions, uh, especially in the so-called uh, Islamic countries, uh, to express their love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So remember that these type of celebrations in this form, this is absolutely no basis in uh, Sharia, no basis in Islam. You know, there's other ways of professing your love for Rasulullah sallallahu like uh, following his actual sunnah. Uh, following his teachings, implementing his sunnah uh, and other things, you know, that is a symbol and a sign of true love of Rasulullah as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned Kul in kuntum Allah say that if you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then follow me so we don't see that the sahaba they went on street processions like this 
to profess their love for Rasulullah sallallahu in the manner and extravagance and pomp and glory like people are doing today. So in that is extravagance, there's wastage of money, there's so many other things also in the mingling of sexes in this and that, you know, people should be careful, uh, refrain from uh, engaging in these type of activities, G. Yeah, Mufti, I see you had a lick of cake and die. Yeah, that's a speckled one, eh? That's a long horn, that's a short horn. Yeah, and that's a, <laughs> that's a red beak there, people. The Mufti knows he's chicken just like that. I mean, I'm looking at this, uh, a question for you. It says, uh, Mufti Saab, I've read a few recent articles regarding rainbow chickens. Can we conclude that, that it is haram to eat? Hey, many, many have eaten it already, Mufti. And still continue to eat also all those tikkas and all those uh, other type of chickens people buy. <laughs> so people just look at the, the stem. They know, don't know the process uh, behind it, Shafat. If you read all the reports and you read the recent reports that surfaced on the social media, you will see that at one time in one plant, a slaughter to slaughter 45 chickens per minute. Now you tell me, how is it possible, uh, humanly possible, for a slaughterer to, to recite Tasmiya Bismillah Rahman Rahim, you know, Bismillah Allahu Akbar in uh, uh, in one minute and then slaughter 45 chickens, even if they are hung upside down. So in that case, you know that many of those chickens won't be slaughtered by hand. It is slaughtered uh, mechanically or by machine, etc. So then there's no doubt that uh, the people have consumed haram. And the consequences of that is that it will affect your ibadah, it will affect your iman, and even affect your du'as. You'll be making du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your du'as will be rejected because of what you are consuming, what you put in your stomach. So uh, for these people, People that are halalizing these things, for them it's only about the money, uh, the more uh, systems and certification they provide, uh, the bigger the boodle will be at the end of the day, the bigger the profit margin. Not thinking of the ummah's well-being, their spiritual well-being and uh, what they are eating. Allah commanded us to eat uh, pure and halal and tayyib, of course, and most definitely and certainly this is not halal and uh, this is not uh, tayyib. You have to use your own discretion. You cannot, uh, after knowing all of these things, still say that I just follow the stem that is on there. You have to do your own investigation. Allah has given you your own intellect, G. Uh, Mufti, come, come, come. Let me ask me and you go and have snook. Snook, no problem. Rather eh? no. snook, Shafat, we know fresh from the sea. There's no halal stem needed, no certification needed. Uh, we, we buy it fresh from the ocean and then we eat it just there. Hey, there with a lovely lemon and uh, the lovely chips, uh, nicely masala for me. I can still see you giving me that, Mufti, but Allah bless you for that. What an indelible impression uh, that has made. Is it permissible to undergo baby glow skin treatment? Hey, they want to glow. Noor, rather noor, Mufti. Yes, glow and glow in the dark and no glow at all. So now all these treatments become available. Uh, baby glow. Someone was asking me yesterday also about this uh, particular question. So baby glow is, is a type of sk- uh, skin pigmentation where you change and alter the color of your skin to give it that baby glow, you know. So uh, you will uh, either make it bronze or you'll put a little bit of color if you are completely fair. So uh, if it is for cosmetic purposes, for beauty and enhancement, and then it will not be permissible because that is altering and changing the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created you. In fact, it will be deception also because you'll be deceiving people with a skin color that is not naturally yours. And uh, this particular treatment, it uh, stays on your skin for three to four weeks. So uh, it is like semi-permanent uh, shafat. It is not a topical cream. Uh, you get that uh, 10 uh, sprays and cream that you spray on and uh, after wash or dip in a pool, etc., it will come off again. It is not that. This is something almost like micro-needling that goes into the 
the, the layer of the skin and it stays there. So for those people should refrain from, yes, if a person is a medical condition whereby the person is completely colorless and, uh, you know, the person needs to add uh, some skin color because it makes a person look hideous and unsightful. And then, of course, uh, with medical uh, consultation, then it will become permissible. But in most cases, it is only for uh, cosmetic and uh, beauty enhancement, so not permissible, G. Yes, uh, Mufti, a uh, question to pose to you is when last did you have a dip in the ocean? Uh, you can't even swim here. I don't have to go to the ocean next, right to our house. Uh, there's no <laughs> water from the floods here so far. I have to, uh, you know, take a boat just to get to the masjid. So there's no need. Allah brought the ocean to us uh, during the last storm that came to us, you know. So, in fact, it is so easy. But uh, nevertheless, uh, the beach nowadays, uh, you can't even catch fish. You can't swim. Nothing. Uh, we have to stay away from it, you know, because we don't know. Uh, the, they're saying that the next storm is it's, it's on its way. So we only hear that, hoping that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save us, G. Yeah, I, I remember I saw some footage, some of the fish actually swimming in the streets of Cape Town. Yeah, they came to pay you a visit there, uh, Mufti <laughs> I mean, you just have to put your hand out and there you pull out a mullet and you could fly it there and then. But, you know, Allah make it easy for everyone uh, to say. Uh, Mufti Saab, uh, this question here, yeah, we finished with the baby. A little lower there, Yusuf. Yes, uh, this one says, uh, what is the ruling of accusing another person of a sin without proof, without burhan, Mufti? Yes, now that is very, very uh, dangerous, Shafat. You must remember that Rasulullah said that if you accuse your fellow Muslim brother of any sin or crime, uh, you know, then uh, you will not die until you commit that crime. Meaning if that person did commit it and that person made toba, or if that person is free from uh, that accusation that you have leveled against him, then remember you're not going to die. You're not going to leave this world until you commit that which you have accused him from. So if you accuse a person of being a chore, a crook, or you accuse a person of being a gangster or a thug or whatever you want to accuse a person of, that remember that you are going to end up like that and you're not going to die. You're not going to leave this world. And today, nowadays, people slander left, right, and center. They don't care what they say. You know, the tongues are just wagging uh, like animals, uh, not thinking what they're saying, not fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with regards to these matters. Pious people, also people with topis and beards doing uh, these type of slandering. So imagine now a person like that accusing someone else in here, he ends up committing exactly that same crime that he accused his brother of, that his brother might or sister might have made tawbah, uh, and then he will not die until he commits it also. So Allah protect us, protect our tongues also, G. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, people are very glib. And uh, what about those, uh, you know, the, the keyboard warriors uh, that they are always typing, and they, you know, <laughs> smugly sit back and they wait for reaction, Mufti Saab. What about them? I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing. It is the same thing. They actually worse, Shafar, because sometimes they uh, leave these messages anonymous. Uh, they're afraid to put their names on there. You know, you know, any accusation you make, you need to provide proof for your accusation. You cannot just uh, uh, falsely accuse someone because the person's honor, the person's dignity and self-respect is at the end here. And for that, uh, there's a punishment uh, that awaits you, uh, the slanderer, you, the accuser. And uh, like they're going on on social media, you know, just sending a using this one of Zina, that one of this, and this one of that. So all of these things happening, you know, and uh, sometimes it's people who lack 
Badini knowledge people who, who have, uh, uh, you know, that uh, Iman that is not uh, complete uh, people with no Shari knowledge, etc. They are going on. And uh, yes, uh, you know, that uh, the, the, I also have two characters that always try to slander me. One was just accusing me the other day, uh, saying I'm a charlatan and I'm a this and a that, you know. So my uh, reply is uh, that I keep silent when these type of people, I call them fools, because I know that they will not die until uh, they commit the same uh, thing that they have accused me or any other person from. So please, people, that uh, safeguard and protect your, your tongues, you know, uh, that is the thing that will cause you entry into the fire of Jahannam. G. G. Mufti Saba, this question here. You read it, Mufti, it's smiling at you. There's it at the bottom. It says, please advise on live organ donation in Islam. Is it permissible if a person can donate a kidney, etc., to people they know or they don't know? So uh, you must remember that our organs does not belong to us. It is in amanat entrusted to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if a person wants to donate an organ, then first he needs to ensure that uh, his own health won't suffer at the end of the day. So like, for example, giving a kidney uh, to a brother, a sister, a family member, or a person he doesn't know, that his uh, personal health won't suffer from that. Remember that ulama, they have disputed regarding this particular masala. So I'm just giving you uh, the gist of it, you know. And number two, he should not ask any money for that. It's not permissible for him to uh, to sell it. So this is all whilst he's still alive. Uh, post his demise, his body does not belong to him. So he does not have a say. He cannot make a wasiyah that his organs should go uh, for scientific reasons research or it should go and benefit other people that are that's alive as for the living uh, they can uh, apply their own discretion as long as they ensure that uh, it won't be injurious to their own health g mufti sahaba would toba suffice for missing or not performing a few years of salah no shafat uh, that uh, toba will not suffice if a person missed a couple of salah or a few years of salah you will need to start repaying that salah in because Rasulullah said that any salah that a person has must, that he should read it the moment that he remembers it. So the moment that you remember that you've missed many years of salah, uh, then you have to pay in your salah. That, is, that means you will have to physically uh, read uh, that salah. So you can omit some of your nafal salah, that which is not a wajib or sunnah mu'akkada. And in place of that, you can read uh, other salahs. You know, so read an, an extra door. Uh, an extra maghrib like that and so on and so forth inshallah that if you die your intention is there Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, will perhaps overlook and forgive because you started repaying your debt but if you don't uh, start repaying your debt and then you will be answerable because remember people the first thing that Allah will judge on the day of qiyamah will be our salah if our salah is correct then our entire hisab will become easy in the court of Allah G. Can a husband divorce his wife during her postnatal bleeding, Nifas, and is it valid, Mufti? You see that uh, it is uh, a sin for a husband to divorce his wife while she's in a state of postnatal bleeding, which we also call Nifas, the period immediately after childbirth. Uh, you should divorce your wife in a clean period. If you do that, uh, it is a sin and it will be valid. Yes, it will be valid. The divorce will fall, but you are prolonging her agony because now she first needs to complete that bleeding period of the nifas and then still after that, uh, three menstrual periods according to the Hanafi Madhab and uh, three clean periods of uh, Idda 
voor de Shafi people, so you're adding uh, to her agony, adding to her misery, uh, you're prolonging up uh, in that period in that case, you know, so if you want to do it, and you want to do the proper sunnah way, then wait until a nifas is completed, and then you can uh, pronounce your divorce, G. Uh, Mufti, is there any special reward uh, for a person passing away in Rabiul Al-Awwal, uh, Mufti? There is no specific reward. It is like any other month. Yes, Rasulullah, Islam, our beloved was born uh, during this month. And uh, our beloved, alayhi salatu salam, also passed away uh, during this month on the 12th of Rabiul Awal, as recorded by historian Shafat. So uh, if we pass away or people pass away in this month, there is no particular virtue or special reward that uh, I personally came across, you know, but insha'Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving, most merciful, and uh, maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, uh, of course, forgive those people who pass away in uh, this, uh, or in this particular month also. Yeah, Allahu alam there. Mufti, there's a question, he said, read me Mufti, go ahead Mufti Saab. It says, uh, if, uh, Salah Mufti, if I borrow some money in rands, and tell him to pay back in dollars. So if the person borrows in rands in one currency and is asked to pay in a different currency, should he pay back at the current rate or rate according to when the loan was made? So you will pay back according to the rate the loan was made. Anything extra will amount to riba. You cannot borrow a thousand rand and uh, then now you have to pay back in dollars and the dollars will amount to 1,300 rand. So the 300 rand extra, that will amount to usury and interest. So you will only have to pay, to pay back the amount that, uh, you know, that is the initial capital amount that you borrowed in a different currency. So it must uh, add up to the uh, initial amount that you've borrowed. So it will still be a thousand, uh, for example, a thousand at the end of the day. Nothing more, nothing less, G. Well, you heard that, people. Paper money, paper money, where's the value? Where's the gold? Where's the silver? You want to play with paper? <laughs> yeah, yeah, run a mock with you. But anyway, moving on, Mufti Saab. Uh, what is the maximum amount a person can impose upon another person for late payment, Mufti? The maximum amount that you are allowed in Islam to ask for people who are defaulting or who are paying uh, not on time or people who are paying late, whether it is uh, uh, payments to you, payments to fees, etc. The maximum amount you can charge is a zero. You are not allowed to ask anything extra for late payments, even if the person defaults. Anything extra that you ask, that will also amount to interest because the person doesn't owe you that. You know, the person only owes you the capital amount that the person has borrowed or the installments that the person needs to pay. Anything extra that you add from your side, remember, uh, that is completely haram. That will amount to interest, G. Mufti Saab, can my daughter stipulate her marriage contract that her husband cannot marry a second wife, Mufti? <laughs> no, your daughter cannot put a clause that is not found in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that any condition that is found is not found in the book of Allah, meaning that is not according to Sharia. So that condition is considered batil, it is considered null, void, and vain. So uh, I am sure there's many people who would like to do that, you know, many people or many parents who would like their daughters to stipulate a condition uh, like that, that uh, their husband should not get married in a... Uh, 
in the future to another person. There's no woman uh, that can guarantee that her husband will not marry in the future. That is in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many wives Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained and decreed for that person and how many children you will have also. So don't add uh, conditions that Islam is not added and then in that way we're trying to alter the sharia and change the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah protect us, Ji. I mean, uh, can the same imam uh, lead uh, to Jumma Salah Mufti? In the Hanafi Madhab, uh, you need a different imam to conduct a different Jumu'ah. So for the uh, uh, two Jumu'ahs, you need two different imams. For the Shafi people, the same imam can read uh, both Jumu'ah. There's no problem in that for them. However, those following the Hanafi Madhab, they should remember that for the second Jumu'ah, the imam should be replaced with someone new. G. Hey, I tell you, I meet all those Shafis from Egypt to the Yahi Shafat. Ah, Bismillah. Kullu <laughs> And now Mufti says, hey, hey, Shafi, Kullu Mafi. Okay, you're Kullu Shafi. Mafi. <laughs> hey, you're getting away. Mufti Sabi. Hey, I tell you that. Pops, man. But I'm a Hanafi. You see my little finger there? Check, I'm showing it to you, Mufti. <laughs> but mashallah, we get along very well here. Mufti Sab, uh, is it permissible to insert porcelain veneers? And uh, will it uh, affect or affect uh, Gusel and Wudu, Mufti? Hey, porcelain veneers is very expensive. Shavad, you're speaking about the super rich now. I think 15, 20k uh, per tooth, you know, uh, depending on which uh, dental surgery you attend. So that will, uh, at the end of the day, that will form part of uh, your, your original teeth uh, structure. Uh, it will be uh, counted like a filling. So if you have to insert porcelain veneers in your mouth, then your ghusl and your hudu will be valid because it will be treated like a filling. So when you have a filling in your mouth, you don't take out the filling that the, the dentist has uh, placed in there. You just rinse and gargle your mouth and then your ghusl, your hudu, etc. will be valid. So similarly with the case of uh, porcelain veneers for those people who can afford it and uh, that needs these type of implants, G. I'm of You are a doctor too, right? You have to uh, describe. No, I'm serious. You have to describe this to the listener. So if you got like a bocca, you know, like in Cape Town, you'll drink too much water. So what the front tooth comes out. So if you're putting veneers, would it be permanently stuck on, Mufti? Veneers, you can only put uh, if you extract your teeth and it's done immediately because uh, the, the, the root canal, that needs to be open for them in order to insert it. It's something that is screwed in. And uh, in that way, uh, that implant stays in there, you know. So it is not something that you can extract your teeth and then afterwards, after a while, decide to do it. In that way, uh, if you want to do uh, or go that route, then you'll have to put in a, a dentures, which is uh, something completely different uh, that you can take out. Veneers are permanent. It is inserted right into uh, the gum and uh, it is screwed in there and there it will remain also. Well, see, you see that question there, I'm going to read it and I'm going to answer it and you can correct me because you are the Mufti. And the question is, what, what is the ruling on a, on calling people by the names of Allah such as uh, Karim, Sattar, Aziz and so on? Well, uh, my ruling will be, no, you must call him Abdul Karim or Abdul Sattar because they are the servants of uh, Allah. These are attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mufti, you are the Mufti's Mufti. You give me the answer there, Mufti. Yes, uh, Shafat, so that's a two-part uh, answer, you know. See, there's names that uh, uh, that uh, belongs exclusively to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like Rahman, Rahim, and uh, Aziz, and all these things, you know. And uh, then uh, 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 there's names uh, that uh, a person will add on to it, like the slave of Allah, Abdul Rahman, Abdul Aziz, 
Karim, etc. So some names uh, we are allowed to use just like that because uh, uh, it is both uh, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, we as humans can share it. And then uh, there's names that belongs exclusively to Allah. Like if you see the name here in the message, uh, it says Aziz, you know, so uh, Imra'atul Aziz, it comes in the Quran, the wife of the Aziz. So there the word Aziz and not Imratu Abdul Aziz is mentioned. So there not the name, the, the name, the slave of uh, Al-Aziz is mentioned in Surah Yusuf, Imratul Aziz, Turawidu Fatah and Nafsi. So that's why we know that some names you can use like that and other names you will have to add the, the, the name, like you said now, Shafat, rightly, uh, Abd in front, you know, so Abdul Rahman, Abdullah, and uh, uh, likewise and in, in so forth. In, uh, you know, you can see from the names of Rasulullah, Sallallahu also, G. Hey, I like you, because now you're the, the Shafi will say, hey man, what's you getting finicky about the whole thing? That's a lovely name. Let's, you know, do it properly. But Mufsi, bless you for that, for conscientizing, uh, yeah, you're conscientizing us. You got the heavy, heavy, heavy uh, guys. I mean, I mean, sometimes they chase people away from uh, Islam and some of them even go and change their name because they felt so insulted, Mufsi. That is, uh, that is the case, uh, Shafat. That's why you have to ask a specialist. You have to ask uh, the learned people the ulama, you know, and they will guide you uh, to, to, to these type of things, you know. So, uh, uh, in names, especially names, Rasulullah used to give the people good names uh, because he wanted them to live according to that name. He used to change names physically also if uh, a name had a bad meaning. So, uh, we should take lesson from Rasulullah Wasallam. Ji. Jazakallah, Mufti. Is there zakah on uh, personal property owned, uh, Mufti? There will only be zakat on personal property owned if you derive rental income from that. Meaning it is your business, you're trading with it, you're renting it out to people, and in that way you are receiving your rental money. So at the end of one lunar year, you will calculate how much rental you've received, and from that amount you will pay 2.5% zakat. If it is for your personal use, if it is a property that you yourself are occupying, you are staying in that or you are doing business from there, then there is absolutely no zakat on that because it is for personal use, G. Mufti Saab, I am quite a wealthy man. I own a string of properties. Three of my properties I've given out uh, for orphanages. I charge them nothing. I pay for the rates, water and lights, and also the upkeep of the building. Will that be part of my zakah also, Mufti? If you have given that buildings, if you, you see in zakat, you have to make them the owners of that. Uh, zakat will only be valid if you make them leak of those things. Whilst you are still the owner of the building, uh, it will still be yours. You know, you are still liable. But in this case, you are not deriving any rental benefit from that. Uh, other people are using it for a good cause. So there will be no zakat on that. The moment you derive rental benefits from that, then you have paid zakat. But you cannot write it off as zakat, uh, Shafat, because you're not making anything on that. Zakat will be on your other properties that you are deriving uh, mm. uh, income in a rental from G. Yeah, when you make the falus, hey, you know, it's extra there. You Don't take forget to share it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've Hey, people are keeping us busy here this morning. Uh, this message said, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Mufti Brian Smith is simply one of the best. Mufti Saab, I want to know from you, there are certain uh, scholars that go around uh, collecting money and uh, they take it and they say it's for their project. But Mufti Saab, I have a proof that they have used the money for the families and overseas holidays. I even got uh, documents from the travel agencies that, that they booked from. Mufti Saab, do we have a, a rights uh, to bring these people to court, to an Islamic court, 
Do we go to the Jamie Ulama or how do you advise the Mufti Saab to stop this nonsense that has been going on this country for so many years? Jazakallah khair. I'm listening. Mufti. Shafat, how many times have we dealt with this issue? Me and you on other platforms as well. We've warned the people so many times. Uh, sometimes people coming from abroad and uh, coming to collect money here and staying in top hotels in Durban, uh, beachfront, top hotels in Johannesburg also, uh, using public funds, you know, for, for every thousand rand that you as a donor give, seven, eight hundred rand is going into their personal expenses uh, for car rental and chow and this and that. And what is really going to the institute? I always advocate that give the money directly to the institution, get their banking details and cut out the middleman. That is the easiest uh, thing to do. As for those people who are abusing public funds, if you have concrete proof, yes, we always advocate that uh, sort it out uh, uh, according to uh, Sharia, meaning have a uh, Shari. Uh, sitting a Shari court, sitting, get in ulama and uh, discuss these things, you know, let him uh, uh, justify or let him prove why he used the money or for what it was used. And those people making the accusation also, they should furnish proof because a person's reputation is at stake here, a person's dignity, etc. So only if you have concrete proof, then you can go. Uh, but then, uh, of course, if you have to go, go to a credible organization, uh, not an organization that is tainted also, like the one you've mentioned now or any other organization. You know, get a few independent scholars to sort out these things and then let them broad, uh, bring them uh, to book Shafat. At the end of the day, it is uh, public funds. We should be careful uh, who we give to, you know, and look at the projects because everyone is saying that they have a project, but you have to go and inspect the project. What type of work is uh, happening there? You know, And if you don't know, then ask people from that locality, ask the imam to inform you. Uh, let him send you a proof that what these people are pursuing. What, in that way, we can eradicate uh, what is happening uh, in this Chanda Chanda business, G. You know, the, that's why the best thing is to uh, embrace and celebrate uh, the alim that's in your locality. If there's a ulum there or there's a building there, you know exactly what's happening in front of your eyes. Mm. And, uh, you know, and you know the individual. If you have a, you know, a gripe with him, you go and talk to him there. But it, sadly, people are very selective in who they give and who they want to give. And sometimes the, his next door neighbor is the top guy, but they'll send the money 10,000, <laughs> 15,000 kilometers away. Mufti, your thoughts? <laughs> Wallahi, Shafat, me and someone just spoke about it, was it yesterday or, or the day before, I think it was me and you or someone, that how people are exporting, no, it was me and another person, people are exporting millions and millions out of the country to other causes, yet their own neighbors, their own institute, their own masjid down the road, their own welfare, their own soup kitchen, their own feeding scheme are suffering I don't know what is it uh, in our affection and attraction to uh, to foreigners and uh, outside people instead of supporting our own local causes, you know. Yes, there's instances, uh, Morocco, Turkey, uh, people who are affected in, uh, you know, Palestine, that we can send our funds to. But when it comes to Madari, support your local madrasa, then there's no need for them to embark on a journey on a collection and collection spree and uh, collecting. And uh, you know what uh, what humiliating work it is, Shafat, for the alim uh, just to extend his hand to the rich people and ask them for support. You know what it is. You have absolutely, sometimes people people have no idea. And if you're a person like me who's outspoken, uh, then I have to think twice when it is that time of the month to ask people for help and support because the same people will gun me tomorrow. Uh, you know, so uh, that is very, very uh, degrading and demeaning also. So rather support your local institute, your local ulum. And inshallah, Allah will put khair in barakah. Allah first going to question you about what local work you did before he's going to question you where you sent your money abroad, G.
While they're talking about local institutes, local this, I know when uh, being with Sheikh Ahmadi, that Rahimullah, I was given the privilege of being the editor. Mufti, the money just came in. That didn't even ask, but the checks were there, you know. <laughs> I don't know, tell you how many. <laughs> and I, you know, I made you talk there at ITC. You remember once when there was an international group of students, yeah. you and the late Mufti Fayaz, and hey, you were standing on the podium. You looked like a real table mountain there. That was absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And uh, this evening, uh, they're having the, uh, all right, the dinner evening and so forth. They got a guest uh, from Malaysia who was one of the, uh, that was trained uh, at IPCI. So, inshallah, I'll be there this evening. But I'll have you in my thoughts and prayers. And maybe I'll Ameen. give them your salams. Uh, perhaps uh, your parting words uh, this morning, uh, Mufti Saab. And ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us, to protect the ummah from any calamity that might befall us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala divert it. Jazakumullah khairul jazak. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to our Mufti Ibrahim Smith for a brilliant Q&A session. Also thank uh, Yusuf Asmal for his uh, top tech and all the listeners uh, that sent in uh, those questions. They are truly, truly amazing. Keep it uh, locked on uh, to uh, Sirius FM for beautiful programming, uh, lovely nasheeds interspersed. And uh, inshallah, there'll be the translation of the Juma Kudba later on uh, by Mufti A.K. Hussain. From the team and I, till we meet you again, uh, we bid you. Assalamu alaikum. Wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.